This time on Building the World's Best Theme Parks, we're talking about Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. Earlier this month, just before the opening of Halloween Horror Nights 29 at Universal Studios Florida, I sat down in a press gaggle with Senior Director Michael Aiello to talk about how he and his team developed the event. Then this week, I followed up in a phone conversation with Blake Braswell, the show director for Entertainment Creative Development at Universal Orlando, who talked more in-depth about creating Horror Nights scare zones, particularly Vanity Ball, which might be the breakout original hit of this year's event. The other 12 months, 11 months out of the year. Yes. When you're watching a movie like Us or a TV show like Stranger Things, what stops you and makes you think, oh wow, that's got to be a Horror Nights moment? Uh, it... it, it... Your, your brain never turns off. When you're in this, in this line of work, everything you watch, everything you read, translates in some way to something that you could do. Um, uh, watching Stranger Things, knowing the knowledge we had based on last year's maze and how we were able to adapt that. Um, watching, going back and watching season two, and then waiting for season three to, to begin. Um, it, it really is going back to what makes a maze work to begin with. And that's uh, memorable environments, memorable characters, um, hopefully a monster of some kind, um, and, and really trying to just fill out that checklist of, of, of going through those programs and cataloging. There's a lot of cataloging. It's kind of tedious at first. Mm -hmm. And then the expansion of those, you know, looking at Stranger Things, how do we create the tunnels, knowing that uh, typically our rooms have no, have no, have no ceilings. Right. You know, so that, that, that's a different design we have to do to be able to create that. Um, Knowing that the antagonists are all four-legged dog creatures, how do you adapt that for a live experience? If you've seen the last season, how do you create that massive creature, yes. knowing that's going to be an expectation? Um, these were all challenges. And the fact that the show was still in production and post-production when we were actually designing the maze. That's also a very unique aspect for us, because usually yeah. film has come out already, but in this case, Netflix being amazing partners, they allowed us to be in tandem with as episodes were getting completed, scripts were being done, we were able to see them and, and, and translate based on the written word and then as visuals came into play, reapplying our creative back to the maze. It was this really interesting layering process of going from just having a script to then storyboards to um, dailies to then uh, post-production special effects rigs and shots, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what is that, what are these these amalgamous flesh creatures end up looking like because where they started wasn't where they ended you know so we're adapting as we're going as well so it's this really interesting process particularly with that maze because they were creating it while we were <laughs> in making that translation from the film medium to this practical medium here what have you learned from fans over the years that have influenced your design decisions <sighs> I think Variety, mm -hmm. I, I, and whether it's Stranger Things or anything else, I think we have our mazes are more successful when we're able to show a lot of diverse environments of characters. Okay, um, I think, and not always, because Scarecrow is probably a, a, we did Scarecrow a couple of years ago, and that was a number one maze. That was a single environment, single texture character. But typically, we found, and this is based on feedback, that people uh, want to feel like they've seen more than they've actually seen. So if you create a maze that is completely diverse within it, mm -hmm. our, our anthology mazes tend to do better than a maze that is a singular storyline with a singular character. Um, and I, I, when I say better, I mean 
people will usually rate them a little bit higher. Um, not always. There are, there are yeah. anomalies and everything, but that's just one thing we've noticed over the years. So a lot of our mazes, uh, if, if the content allows for it, will try and take an anth anthological tone with it. Um, I think uh, another thing I think fans over the years have responded well to is when we break it from being just a person in a costume. American Wolf in London, the Demi-Dogs, a lot of the puppets that we've been slowly building greater numbers of over the years um, that actually, you know, allow us to do a lot of things we're doing this year that we probably weren't going to be able to do four years ago. Right. Terror Dogs and Demi-Dogs and puppets that, that require the, um, the build to be able to sustain the treatment they go through for the 40-something nights, yeah. three to five seconds, you know, you know, for 45 minutes every hour, you right. know. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the, those things come to mind. I also think I, you know, a lot of our, our hardcore fans at the event um, just want something different and unique. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I spoke about it a little earlier about that, that's one area where we like to do the original mazes, where we can bring some things to the table that are kind of the, the surprises for people. Because if you're going to come to this event, you, you've probably seen Ghostbusters or, or are aware of that brand, right, right. and you can picture an idea of what that maze would look like. Stranger Things, if you're a massive fan, you can watch that show and go, that's gonna be a room, that's gonna be a moment. Original mazes, you're walking in completely blind. You have no idea the narrative that we're going to, to, to show. So I think from a fan perspective, that's so very important in the, the types of content the event wants to have. Where do you find the inspiration for the original houses? It's our team. It's, yeah. it's the team. Um, every year, the originals are the ones we will come up with first. Wow. Um, usually. Okay. Because, and then we'll adapt as we go. Uh, usually because brands take a little bit longer to acquire. You know, we're working with an outside Point. outside party to, to, to bring our ideologies to their brand and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So those tend to take a little bit longer in our process. So while we're doing that, in tandem, we're starting to build the building blocks of some original ideas. And it just starts with, with, with the gang. It's about seven or eight people in a room. Um, from all different areas of our entertainment, uh, art and design wing, throwing ideas at the table. Just uh -huh. environments. We'll do an exercise of name every environment we've done. And we'll put that on one side of the board and then say, okay, you know, name everything that we haven't done before. And we'll put that on this side. Okay. And we'll start kind of throwing mental darts at things and, and lining things up. Monsters. What are some monsters that we've never tackled? Or it's been a while yeah. that we've done yeah. this particular monster. Can you start marrying character with environment and other interesting juxtapositions that happen? Yeti, that's a prime yeah, example. It's just gonna say. Let's take let's take the swamp yeti we did last year. Right. Everyone loved it. Let's let's put him in a Yukon era logging camp in, a, in, a, in, a, in in the winter. Right. In the dead of winter. So not only is it our is our victims dealing with the cold, they're also dealing with this tribe of bloodthirsty yetis that are huge. They're massive. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. <laughs> and that's why we love this. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the interesting things I was talking with John Murdy over in Hollywood yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of days ago, actually, and he was talking about how the event has, has evolved there yeah. and here. You know, at first, you know, it's a lot of slasher, mm -hmm. but over the years, it's more and more, I mean, there's comedy now in yeah. a lot of this, too. I mean, so you're getting the variety, not just within a house, but from house to house. Yeah, I, 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 Ghostbusters is a good example of that, mm -hmm. I think. Because, I, I mean, that is not a horror film. That, that, is, right. that is a comedy film that incorporates elements of, of horror in the yeah. paranormal. Um, and for us, it was, it was interesting to consider it. I mean, it's something I've been on the list forever, yeah. and it's always been, is when is the right time to do something like that? Mm -hmm. I do believe 
Stranger Things last year opened a door for us to be able to present a maze that can have some monsters, but also there can the spectacle of it is just as important. Right. There is spectacle in Ghostbusters. Absolutely. A, a ton in there. Um, but. You know, and I'm sure Bertie's probably talking about this as well. It's something that he and I, it's an adage we kind of have lived by. The laugh and the scream are, are completely in tandem with each other at all times. They have both ends of the spectrum that live together. Um, and there's there's some there's a there's a gag in Yeti that's actually comedic. We'll see if it plays that way for the guests. When we thought of it, we thought it was hilarious. Yeah. There's a and I'll I'll, you know, I'll I'll tell you so you can look for it. But there's a um, there's a victim and he's, he's telling everybody to be quiet. He's in the, in this cabin. He's going shh. And then the door he's standing here flies open, kills him, smashes him, as a Yeti comes through <laughs> for us. You know, so we just thought that was a funny moment. Right, right. So these kind of pockets of levity right. you can kind of sprinkle in when it's warranted. I think I think are 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 really useful in a maze. You are uh, getting ready to move over to Epic Universe. Yes. Um, big step up. What have you learned from fans over the years that might influence your work down the road there? Um. Whether it's learning from fans or just people that, that love love theme parks, and particularly because I'll be involved in the entertainment. On right, that. right, right. And, and for me, it's just knowing that that's an important part of the theme park journey. Yeah. We've got all these amazing rides. We've got you know merch and food. And, but the one thing, if, if there's one thing I've been able to bring to the table in my my entertainment tenure here, has been the the, the human aspect of what a theme park's able to offer. To watch a show that it's a performer, they're singing, they're dancing, they're, they're, there's there's eye contact and connection that yeah. that that I don't believe a ride attraction can do as nearly as well as as what we're doing right now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that human connection I think is really important. And I think it's why also Horror Nights has done as, yeah. as well as it has because that this is theater. Right. All of this is flats and sets and people in costumes and in theatrical makeup. And it's, it's, it's amazing talents bringing these things together to create something that is breathing and real for the three or four minutes you're going through this place. And that, for me, exceeds any medium where I, I'm not allowed to reach out and touch it or be afraid right, right. that it's actually there. I, I think that's so important as an aspect to a theme park journey. Okay, final question here, hypothetical. It's not gonna happen tonight, but a lot of fans okay. wanna see it. Okay. Mind Flayer versus Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Who wins that fight? Oh my gosh. Um, ooh. <laughs> oh, that's in your head now, isn't yeah. it? Uh, I think it's a tie. Oh, oh, you know why? Here, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, okay. tell, I'll take you through this. Okay. Mind Flare goes for the Stay Puff, gets enwrapped in all the melting marshmallow. Mm -hmm. It gets caught. The Stay Puff can't do anything because he's he's tangled just as much, and they just they get exhausted. They just lay there. Okay. That's what happens. All right. Cool. Someone someone draw that. All right. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so Blake, thanks for joining us here. Uh, congratulations on another Halloween Horror Nights opening. Thank you very much. You know, now that we are a week or two into this, you, know, you, you do all of this work to get up to opening night. And then after that, though, how do you really judge the success of this Halloween Horror Nights, either the individual elements or the event itself? Once it's opening, how do you, how do you kind of take stock and figure out, well, what worked, what didn't? So as we get to opening and get to that opening moment, I am, uh, especially on the side of, of scare zones where I work a ton of, uh, we get rehearsals, but obviously you can't um, equate for 
you know, a ton of people being out in the street that are now going to yeah. be interacting with you, right? Yeah. So we always tell our characters, like, you know, the one thing about streets that is both fun and challenging and the challenge you can be up to is being flexible because we have great ideas that might need a little tweaking here or there when we actually see how the crowd reacts with things. So in the beginning, I'm really looking at, you know, what our people are doing. But especially once I start to get to the third, fourth weekend, my gaze really shifts. And to be honest, I'm now walking around the streets looking at the guests. Like, what are they mm-hmm. responding to? What, what is it they're liking? You know, where are they camping out at? What, what's really resonating with people? Um, and I'm a big people person. I, I like trying to figure out people tick. So it's, it's, a, it's a part I really enjoy is that sort of going around and, and figuring out what are the things that seem to pinch people the most for something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people in the design industry over the years how about a project is really yours up until the moment that you open it. And then at that point, it belongs to the fans. Uh, given that we're now past that point with this, what surprised you most about the fan reactions that you've seen since opening night for this year's event? Um, that's a great quote, by the way. Was that kind of like the death of the author kind of thing, right? Once you put your piece of art out there, it no longer belongs to you. It's, it's to everyone that's going to enjoy it, or I guess we're not enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess the surprise for this year was one surprise I had was I thought my vanity ball concept for hollow, hollow Hollywood street, sorry, was, uh, out there. I didn't know it'd get accepted. Mm -hmm. So the pleasant surprise was it got accepted. Uh, but I, but I did believe, (laughs) well, I did believe I thought the, I think guests are going to dig this. I think they're really going to enjoy this sort of horror, but it's a party thing vibe that's going on, um, with these crazy surgeries and bodies, parts that are being removed and put on other people. And then a, a runway battle. Um, but man, I the the camping out that's occurring with them hanging out and enjoying mm-hmm. the show and getting to know the individual characters because this zone has a ton of variety as far as looks are concerned. Uh, that has been a pleasantly re- rewarding surprise. You know, I thought people would dig it, but it seems that uh, it has really resonated with people. Uh, the other zone that uh, has really taken off that I wasn't sure how people would take to it has been the Rob Zombie Hellbilly Deluxe. Uh, that is another area that people are just like hanging out in, and it couldn't be more different than what's happening in Hollywood. Uh, so I, those are actually two good examples of uh, you know kind of two sides of a coin of of what we're offering in the streets that uh, that people equally seem to be very excited about both ideas. Yeah, I mean, if if I could just take a few moments to to just fanboy on this whole thing for a moment uh, with Vanity Ball. I, I back up a little bit. I mean, typically with a scare zone, I think for a lot of people, the, the expectation of that is that you've got, you know, zombies with chainsaws running around and you walk through it, you scare somebody, you know, you know somebody screams. Usually it's some woman who screams and, you know, runs around and they chase them and she keeps running around because, you know, that just makes it worse. And, and we've all seen this a lot before. But with Vanity Ball, this is something that really different. I mean, I, I even hesitate to call it a scare zone at this point. It's really morphed into this type of participatory theater event um, where people are just, they're consuming it in a completely different way than they've consumed a scare zone event in the past. And, and you're right. I mean, I, when I got the opportunity to go through it on, 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 on opening night, I, I didn't have as much time as I wanted to spend there. But yeah, you could just tell from that moment, just from the opening moment, that that people were going to camp out there and just there were going to be people for whom this is Horror Nights this year. Uh, 
what do you think it is that people are reacting to so strongly with vanity with vanity ball so my my background is in being a theater director and prior to moving down Mm -hmm. here i actually worked in an interactive theater where we created Uh. these interactive edgar Allan poe uh stories we had an old victorian mansion uh up in pennsylvania this is around uh like from 2007 2000 to 2011 and that's where uh i really cut my teeth on getting people to become part of the story and i think mm-hmm. something like halloween horror nights by its own nature has always been theatrically interactive um sure. but i wanted to ratchet that up when it came to the streets um in the houses it is in a way easier to be immersed because you know you're surrounded 360 by by this right. um, but in the streets uh you have a choice how you enter where you go um and mm-hmm. how interactive you choose to be. Yes, you can always get hit, uh, you know, by a character going for a scare, or whatever. But to try and create things that people actually want to interact with, that they want to be a, a part of. Uh, for Vanity Ball, the concept actually started with me. I was looking at uh, EDM, like electric um, uh, digital music, uh, you know, festivals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And thinking of like how people would surround these DJs and these crazy costumes and stuff, you know, and they're just going to town. And, and, and it was because this is what you do when you work Halloween. You go, well, what's the gross version of that? <laughs> what if it's a <laughs> what if it's a celebrity surgeon instead? And people are, have the same vibe, but they're watching like, you know, the surgeon like make horrific body art out of people, you know, where it's like, I like your mm-hmm. smile. So I'll take that and I'll, I'll put it on someone else kind of a vibe. And I. Uh, then it sort of grew from there, and I worked with Dylan Coleth, who was the designer for here, and this is his first year ever working on streets. He's only done houses prior to this, and wow. he's done a great job. He, he did this uh, Hollywood. He also did Rob Zombie, Hellbilly Deluxe, and he did Central Park's uh, Vikings Undead. Um, mm-hmm. And we were talking about these different stages, these vignettes we'd have to perform these surgeries, and also you're like, well, that's a re- this is a cool idea, and the way that they're going to be celebrated, now that's different than what we've done in the past, but hey, have we done stages where weird things happen yeah we have what can we do different and you know he said well if it's what if it's two warring houses and we started playing with that idea of like you know two different artists surgery artists showing off and that's where the idea of the runway came from and so Mm -hmm. then there would be a central piece where which is a i think it's one of the biggest scenic pieces singular we've ever had in the street it's pretty big um yeah so we'd actually have a host doing almost a fashion runway battle but it's about you know it's sort of commentating as the night goes through on the different work of arts that these two doctors have done um and so with that host up there they're talking to the guests which and they're doing it in a way not just like oh we're gonna get you but in a way that's inviting them to be part of the story uh to to understand what's going on you know house we like to say is like a script because you've got a beginning middle and end whereas the streets are more like improv because you can enter from any angle you can kind of get your first look in many different ways so how how do you convey the story quickly um as to what's going on and so for this one it was gonna be two layers one there's a party going on you're gonna see that at a distance Mm -hmm. and when you get in it starts to get messed up but what i wanted was people to go this is awesome looking oh no this is disturbing i think i kind (laughs) of like it (laughs) and if we could get them to go through that through that journey and actually hang out with us I, i knew we had a success and and i think it is the way you know for this particular zone these aren't monsters these are real people that want you but they're just like crazed about this sort of elite art that's going on and they want to be part of it they want to show themselves off and uh and i think there's just something that draws people into that um 
you know, it, it's hey, it's selfie society going on right now, right? Everybody can identify Absolutely. with with this kind of with this kind of thing, and so. I think that's – and plus, I, won't, I, I do think the 80s uh, remixed music we've got helps too. That, I love the soundtrack oh, yeah. in this zone a lot. But I think, I think all those elements where the wall between you and this character is really broken, where it's not just, roar, I'm going to scare you. There's also this kind of I'm inviting you in vibe mm-hmm. that I think is what makes it so interactive in this particular zone. But then what's nice is we don't do that necessarily in every zone, right? In another sure. zone, they're going to be real aggressive after you. So variety is sort of the name of the game. Um, but, you know, you do it for a long time, so you're trying to find out new ways to, to, to create that variety. And I, I think we came up with a pretty fun one with Vanity Ball. I really enjoy that zone. Oh, yeah. I, I think one of the keys to interactivity is, is something that has the flexibility to allow fans to participate at the level that they're comfortable. And the thing about house is pretty much it's, it's linear. I mean, you step in, you're committed, you're going through the whole thing. You're not really going off the path. But as you say, with the scare zone, you've got the opportunity to, you know, you can just put your head down and barrel straight through it and get through it as quickly as possible. You can let someone scare you and chase you around. And with Vanity Ball, it just takes it to, to in completely different levels where even, you know, some of the just the other guests in the park become as much of the show as some of the scare actors are in there. Yeah, if you look through the – it's great. You can see people sitting on benches just enjoying and watching it. You can see others kind of mm-hmm. standing up a little closer, some people dancing to the music. And then you see others that are literally lining around the uh, the runway and cheering on yeah. the different uh, the different people mm-hmm. that are making their way down the different characters on the runway, as well as the host who then is literally coming down and talking to you one-on-one, asking you questions or, or, or you know getting your opinion of what you're seeing in front of you so yeah it's all that sort of brings you in and like you said it gives you the choice you can be voyeuristic you can be a little more involved or you can be very involved depending on how how you want to enjoy the zone as as this event progresses from opening night to to close yeah how much are your team changing this event and then how much are the scare actors themselves kind of changing this event? I mean, this is, I've heard from a lot of people, it's not the same thing if you come on opening night or the end of September or the middle of October or the end of October. This event morphs a lot. You know, tell me a little bit about some of the influences that drive that change. Yeah, so the, uh, the big one are the guests themselves. We can, as I said, we can rehearse as much as we want to, but until you actually have people going through the houses or people out on the streets, you just don't know how they're going to react to certain things. Um, so for us, we kind of start, you know, watching our performers, seeing how things are going. And then we start to shift to looking at what the guests are engaging with or, uh, you know, Hey, if we, if we shift the order of the way we're going to do these surgeries on, on these stages, um, it will help, help uh, move the guests through our zone and tell a story better. So let's try this, you know, Mm. and it's something we never would have seen if we hadn't until we had the guests, right? Um, right, and right. that's one of the things I like about it. I mean, all of us that work on HHN, we're also fans of it, and we're yeah. just the kind of people that we're always pushing to do the best show possible. And then the characters, especially if you can create a, a really fun house or a scare zone that they really enjoy the concept, they throw themselves at it too. And they they have great ideas. I mean, I have all this stuff I think of, and you think you've thought of everything, and then the characters come in. And then all of a sudden, they have a n- whole set of new ideas bringing these characters to life you, you didn't even think about. Um, there's a guy out in Zombieland, Double Tap, who just kills me. He is dressed as a uh, he's a zombie that's dressed as a jogger. So obviously, he was out jogging. He got bit, turned to a zombie. Uh, on mm-hmm. opening night, when he came through the gates, 
I looked up and he was doing that sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but that, that eighties sort of like jogging where your arms are real close and up tight. And you, it's like almost you're wearing the armband weights or whatever on your hand. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah. he's doing that as a zombie with his head all kicked aside as if that's the last thing his body remembers. And he trucks along the street, snapping at people while jogging. And it's hysterical. And he gets scares, which is literally the movie zombie land uh, in terms of yeah. the, the style of film. That is nothing that I gave him as an idea. That was purely he got the costume. And when he hit the the street, he made this choice. And I've just given him so many kudos. Like, boom, that's it. I never would have thought of that. That is awesome. You know, so it's thousands of people working on the event. Whether they're characters, you know, us on the creative side, or you've got, you know, your effects designers and lighting designers and stuff. There's so many great ideas that get woven into it. And as the event runs, you kind of see uh, the better ways to kind of make them work together or people have different ideas. So the event is yeah. always evolving. Uh, and it's, I mean, I love it. I've had to do the same thing every day. I, I, I work in a cubicle, but I don't want to do that. I want, I want to do stuff that's different. So this, this just fits me perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a really important thing that I think a lot of fans don't necessarily understand, but that people who are in creative arts are almost always huge fans. And and they're learning as much from their colleagues' successes and 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 such as as they are from anything that they're bringing to the table or that um, and, our director is giving them. So ultimately, you know, the fans are the ones that when opening night comes, they've got an opportunity to shape the direction of a show like this. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it is. It's nice. I mean, with Charles and Patrick on the houses and me on the scare zones, we get to be fans of each other's work. Um, mm-hmm. and so, but once we, uh, we're all together in the initial concept of developing the initial ideas of what everything's going to be. So we all kind of get an idea of the event as a whole, and then we split to our different ways. But even then, once that happens, we are constant contact with each other, sharing ideas. Can you look at this? I'm stuck here, whatever there's. And I think that's why stuff stays fresh. If you literally just only had my ideas and that was it every single year, at some point, you're going to be like, Blake, I feel like you're repeating something here. But by having all yeah. these different yeah. voices and, and different lenses to look through things, it, it really helps keep the event fresh, that, that collaboration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that it probably won't be too long that you start thinking uh, before you start thinking about uh, what are we going to do for next year? I mean, when does that process get started? And what have you learned from this year that's going to get applied to that process as you look towards Halloween Horror Nights 2020. Well, if you want to know the truth, I left the development for Halloween 30 to come here and do this interview. So it's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're on day two uh, of, of our initial, we're all working together and sort of, uh, sort of molding what the event is going to be overall. Um, it, it's, it is a, um, we call it a 14 month ish process because we do start some conversations and things early. Uh, but the real work starts uh, usually the week after the event opens, or in this case it was two weeks after the, the event opened to really start diving in and, and shaping what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem is yeah, always that people are enjoying the current year and they're like, this is awesome. You're right. like, sweet. Oh my gosh, yeah. what are we going to do next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got houses and you've got scare zones. I mean, is there something that comes earlier than the process of the other one? Um, or they, they, you're just kind of all working on everything at the same time. Um, physically being built are the houses first. So we do mm-hmm. swing to that first in our, in our concept, in initial concept development. And then 
move into the scare zones because then it's an easier way to make sure the comp- the houses all complement each other and then the streets all complement each other as well. Um, and it's 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 actually kind of a nice way of doing it too because uh, you know you go one by one with the houses and something that got ditched in a concept prior something might live in the second concept if that makes sense. So, um, but generally speaking, we kind of work in build order and that's how we go. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I know we're uh, getting close in on time here. So just to kind of wrap this thing up, uh, I know you've mentioned, uh, you know, some of your favorite moments so far, but is there another favorite moment that you've had just as a fan, maybe going through one of the houses, not necessarily a, a scarzo, but something that's really jumped out at you that you, you would recommend, uh, you know, that fans keep their eye on and make sure that they seek out as they're coming through Halloween Horror Nights this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll cheat and I'll do a quick two. And, and since I okay. get to be as working on the scare zones, I kind of get to be fans of the houses. Uh, so, uh, the first one is one of the originals. Graveyard Games is one of the yeah. most beautiful houses we have. Literally, it's you know it's this old New Orleans parish style uh, uh, cemetery. It's gorgeous. The story is so uh, clean and easy to understand, and it's just it's just a really well done house. We call it Halloween comfort food, but like meaning that in the best way. It just kind of checks all those those spooky yeah. boxes that you want to. And the other one is, yeah. on the IP side is Ghostbusters. I literally, <laughs> I a lot of the other houses I go through during their development and just to see how things are going and, and look at stuff. I stayed out of that house intentionally the entire process until it was built, what? it was finished, and we had characters in it with costumes because I didn't want to. I just wanted to be a fan of it, and I smiled. My face hurt by the time I was done with that house. And yeah. sitting outside of the house, I love watching people come out because literally they're just getting scared and laughing and smiling through the whole thing. And when they're coming out, they just have the biggest smiles on their faces as they, as they leave that house. Uh, but that's that's two things I very much enjoy. I realize most people are probably going to hit go to Ghostbusters is on that list, um, but Graveyard Games. Uh, is such a good original house. I really enjoy that one. Yeah, that was a nice one. Um, really solid. I mean, top to bottom this year, this is one of the deepest events I've ever seen from Halloween Horror Nights. So so definitely congratulations to you and everyone on the team for it. It's been a, a great production this year. And, uh, you know, as much as we're looking forward to all this, we're going to look forward to next year, too, because Halloween Horror Nights, it's not just an event. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? That's right. Thanks again to Michael and to Blake as well as the whole team at Universe Orlando, for helping out with this episode. For more Theme Park news, check us out on the web at themeparkinsider.com. Thanks for listening.